Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast, a show about nutrition, dietitians, and their success stories. Through our conversations with nutrition leaders, we aim to inspire you, to connect you with like-minded colleagues, to innovate and push you out of your comfort zone, to create robust debate, to encourage lifelong learning, and to empower you to create more impact as a dietitian. Dietitian Connection acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land where you're listening. I'm recording from the land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. I extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Welcome to the Dietitian Connection podcast. My name is Jane Winter from Dietitian Connection, and I'm an accredited practicing dietitian. Our podcast episode today is supported by Abbott, and today we'll be discussing management of diabetes, but um, this podcast is not intended to be medical advice, which should be tailored to individual circumstances. The podcast is for information only, and we advise exercising your own judgment before deciding to use any of the information provided. And of course, professional medical advice should be obtained before taking action. Now, according to Diabetes Australia, about one and a half million people are living with diabetes in Australia, and another 120,000 are diagnosed each year. Well, we know that diet's one of the pillars of management, and so today we're going to explore some of the dietary challenges that are faced by people with diabetes, and also take a closer look at the role that diabetes-specific nutrition supplements and continuous glucose monitoring can play in that management. We're also going to look at the important role of dietitians in the multidisciplinary team and how we can better advocate for our role as part of the team. And my guest, I'm very pleased to say, is Geraldine Giorgio, a accredited practicing dietitian with over 20 years experience. Geraldine's contributed to helping the Australian Navy, consulting to Diabetes Australia, and has also been a familiar face in the media. She's been a gastroenterology dietitian at the Prince of Wales Hospital in Sydney, and a member of the Council for the Gut Foundation at the Prince of Wales and author of the Gut Foundation Cookbook. She's also author of the Australian Healthy Skin Diet, released in 2020. She has three Sydney clinics practising under the name of Designer Diets who provide one-on-one consultations as well as consultancy and media services. Geraldine's dietetic practice really prides itself on keeping up to date with the latest research and best practice guidelines for patient care. She's really passionate about sharing scientific research with the broader public in a way that's accessible. And today she's going to share some of her diabetes passion with us. So welcome to our podcast, Geraldine. Thanks for taking your time. Thank you, Jane. Wow, like what an introduction. (laughs) I'm not that worn out yet. (laughs) 20 years, you're just a baby. (laughs) So Geraldine, I was wondering if you can just really give us a quick synopsis of your career journey so far and really how you came to this present role and particularly your work of working with clients with diabetes. Well, I've worked in a range of clinical settings with world-leading specialists. I've been very lucky that I've worked in, if we talk about diabetes, we can talk about even before diabetes, so insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, diabetes and also conditions that come from that and providing those dietary um, service but also that practical information so like I mentioned you know I think we think just type one or type two but there's this whole 
you know, area that we look at. And then even other areas like the gestational diabetes and the growing area of pre-fertility and fertility workup and PCOS. Now, we know when I see patients, you know, our ultimate goal, like as being a dietitian, is aiming for that improved glucose, that better HbA1c. And there's nothing more rewarding than me helping a patient actually reverse diabetes. Reverse diabetes, looking at nutrition, lifestyle, medical intervention, and working together for a short-term and a long-term approach is my um, my advocacy for patients and working in a multidisciplinary approach. So as all dietitians, we really need to make sure we showcase, we advocate for the patient, we work with endocrinologists, diabetes educators. We might be the first person even finding they've got even just glucose dysregulation, which is part of not just a touch of sugar, but that pre-diabetes situation and really advocating for our patients to really harness their health and reduce metabolic complications. And when you talk about the multidisciplinary team, which is obviously key because there's so many aspects to trying to manage diabetes, what have you found are your sort of ways of getting really successful collaboration? Mm. I think it's number one is that when you do have a patient present to you, Treat it as a multidisciplinary approach straight up and make sure you help. I've got this great analogy I always say to patients. It's like you're a car. You've got to check the car, help the driver drive the car, don't bash up the driver. We really need to empower, provide skills and training to help the output or the outcome. Like my top tip would be that if we are working in a multidisciplinary team, communication is key. So when I'm seeing patients, I find that if they really understand their medical condition, how nutrition works in with it, how lifestyle works in with it, and being collaborative and keeping that positive health outcome and making sure we get results in a timely manner as well. Because some patients might not be seeing their endocrinologist for three, six months. We want to see health improvement in the in the shortest time as possible as well. And um, as we go along, I'll talk about the tools that I use for that. Yeah. And it's a lot, isn't it? So it is quite the burden or it can be for patients. So we need to be aware of of how much we're asking them to do. I remember hearing an interview with a, a girl with diabetes um, a while ago and she said, you know, it's all very nice. I walk into a healthcare professional, whatever that be, and they go, just do this, you know, just eat more whatever, just exercise a bit more. She goes, it's not just, it's every day of my life. <laughs> like, you know, 100%, 100%. you can't just dismiss it so easily yeah it's not not just about eating properly and going away and exercise and a lot of patients really do feel that guilt they feel like they've brought it upon themselves and I think in the reality is that it is a food first approach and we do know adherence can be very difficult so our goal as a dietitian is to really help not oversimplify advice because it's not common sense. They wouldn't be in this situation to start with. We're really there to give that guide to help them understand the the food-first approach, the challenges they may be experiencing, and how they can carry along their dietary uh, changes and requirements they need for their situation with their glucose. We need to meet their nutritional requirements as well. So a lot of people I see that under eating, they're malnourished. So a positive nutrition um, approach is really, really important. And it's not just about is calorie restricted and just go away, lose weight and everything goes away. It's all about positive nutrition, addressing nutritional deficiencies, 
and making sure we're addressing nutrients such as chromium, zinc, magnesium, I can go on, but these are all important nutrients for glycemic control. So the key challenge is balancing the micronutrients and the macronutrients. It's not just simply counting exchanges and just losing weight because Mm. if it was, they wouldn't be sitting there in front of you. Yeah. So do you find that often... Um, clients when they come to you have already made, have sort of self-imposed restrictions that are potentially unnecessary? Yeah, 100%. And unfortunately, we do start on the back foot because there is so much noise out there about what is the better diet to follow. Mm. And I think it's really important to understand, well, as a dietitian, we do have tools in our toolbox. And knowing that there are these diabetes-specific nutritional supplements that are available out there, Now, they can be powdered um, and they can be found in ready-to-drink formats. And later on, we'll go through a couple of case studies, how we utilize those, but that these have been specially formulated. So they're not these little, I'm doing a green juice in my kitchen and making up my magical potion. These are actual diabetes-specific nutritional supplements that are there to help manage impaired glucose tolerance, diabetes, insulin resistance, including obviously lifestyle and exercise, and together with a food plan that's balanced together to support glycemia. But also we know that we need to understand that these um, diabetes-specific nutritional supplements have been formulated with slow-release carbohydrate. They help regulate, as I said, that euglycemia and better glucose response, avoiding glucose spikes, a good quality protein, healthy fats, even for your heart. And they also got those essential vitamins and they actually taste good. Yeah, so when we're talking these um, diabetes-specific nutritional supplements, as you've just described, these are generally available in pharmacy, for example, and they contain macronutrients as well as micronutrients. So you're not just looking at a single nutrient supplement like a chromium that might say suitable for diabetes. These are multi-nutritional supplements. Is that correct? Yep, and they're evidence-based. And uh, you'll find that uh, there are studies that support that being on these products, which we'll go to shortly, um, can be very, very helpful. And we also know that if these um, diabetes-specific nutritional supplements are there to actually help provide that overall better glycemic response, but in practice, so let's think about practical applications. You know, we all know it's still a food-first approach, but to be able to have access to these products and to have them available. And there is a plethora of scientific evidence. You know, recent meta-analysis has shown that uh, type 1 or type 2 diabetes-specific nutritional supplements were associated with significant reductions in HbA1c and uh, postprandial glucose levels and also help with insulin requirements. But I think it's also important to know that, you know, in practice, you know, is it people we can recommend these products for people with a lower body mass index or insufficiency of nutrients. But on the flip side, and this is what I have found really exciting because we're getting, I was saying earlier, we've got these complex patients that aren't just presenting as we typically think they do. So using a diabetes-specific nutritional supplement for patients, even with an elevated BMI, as these products can also help with a calorie control or control portion to meet a meal requirement or even a snack to also achieve if they have weight loss to achieve, it will support that and also have greater metabolic control whilst avoiding those micronutrient deficiencies that can often happen when they're trying to achieve weight loss with calorie restriction. Mm, and so as you say, it's really 
these formula are another tool that you have available to you to keep in the back of your mind when you're when you're dealing with with your patients with diabetes. So um you've helped develop a little uh, case study booklet um, looking at, at some of the different scenarios where you might use one of these um, formula, and we'll link to that in the show notes. But um, can you just, uh, to start off with, give us um, one specific example of of when you might recommend one of these supplements and, and why you do that? Yeah, so um, as I was mentioning, I do offer them as uh, replacing a meal or nourishing snack through the day. So Mr. Malnutrition, I've called him, is an 84-year-old male with a long-standing history of type 2 diabetes. So this is a typical patient we will see. And as you can imagine, one of the biggest concerns is reactive hypoglycemia through the night. Um, and in this case with this uh, Mr. Malnutrition, we actually suggested to use a continuous glucose monitoring device or CGM. And this device at the time when we first met him was alarming four times during the night and which was indicating low glucose. And so back to that hyperglycemic risk, he's 84. He had carers and support workers, but it was very alarming. Like it was dropping down to as low as 3.7. And uh, Mr. Uh, this uh, 84-year-old fellow uh, was also underweight with a 5% weight loss over the last six weeks. So his BMI was actually now heading into the underweight category. His subjective global assessment was class B, which also indicated he was moderately malnourished. And his diet history was what you normally see where they're skipping meals, might be doing the tea and biggies and filling up on so those empty calories and then maybe topping up with some beer. So we knew too that he was feeling very fatigued, he had memory loss, so been on some treatment with metformin. So my main dietary objective was how can we get that positive calorie and nutritional intake in a realistic and manageable approach? So he wasn't going to be spending time in the kitchen, had carers coming and going, and we really wanted to stabilise those blood glucose levels through the night and minimise that risk of hyperglycemia. So as part of his diabetes management, we decided to trial the one to two serves of this diabetes-specific nutritional supplement to supplement his eating plan and to fill in those nutritional gaps. And you, know, you will see it all the time. Like I've just had some soup and toast. Well, that's not going to be that nourishment of those micro and those macronutrients you need to help create that steady glucose. Now, the supplement was ideal because it was good source of protein, high in protein, it was nutrient-dense, could be utilised for a snack or even to support a meal. And we found that if he kept it particularly, so strategically we had it, at, as part of his dinner or supper, this then helped that troublesome area of that hypoglycemia that was occurring through the night. So just after uh, just a short number of weeks, six weeks, we did find that um, the fasting glucose levels had in, actually increased to a healthier range. So he wasn't waking, well, actually at times he wasn't waking, but through the night he wasn't alarming and that his glucose had returned to 4.6 to 6.2 and this was fantastic. And his weight was slowly increasing, had increased about four kilos just through those six weeks. And we found that overall that the diabetes-specific nutritional supplement was a convenient addition and really took away, away that worry, particularly for the carers and having to have more demand on preparing different meals. 
Yeah, and I guess in particularly in the older population, as you say, that soup and toast sort of scenario means that there's no way they're getting the protein, even just for normal requirements, let alone for any chronic illness or additional requirements. So having a supplement really addresses that quite easily, um, particularly when they've restricted their food intake and just don't feel like preparing food. Um, so also- Go on. I was going to say the messaging that they get from their doctors, they just think uh, sugar, I've got sugar high in my blood, I'm going to just limit my food, and that's such a danger area, particularly for that age group. Yeah, restrict, restrict, restrict. Um, mm. So it's it's pretty intuitive that these sorts of formulae or supplements work really well in someone who is malnourished, who needs that sort of nutrition support as well as a, a diabetes plan. But um are they? Can they be used for um, people with diabetes who are not at risk of malnutrition? And this is why I thought I'd present this case because I think that we do tend to, as dietitians, only think, like I know in all those years of dietetics, high you high protein, but I use pay, uh, I use uh, diabetes uh, uh, specific nutritional supplements for patients with insulin resistance who require assistance with weight management. And so I will call Miss Millennial, who's 26 years of age and she is a female graphic designer, but diagnosed with insulin resistance and polycystic ovary syndrome. So she presented with clinic with high fasting insulin, impaired fasting glucose and glucose dysregulation. So technically not diabetic yet, but we're heading that way, um, wanting to class as obese with a BMI of 30 with a waist conference of 91 centimetres. We want that to be near 85 or under 80 or near 80. And her diet history revealed that she was that meal skipper and how many people do that. And I think we've lost our pattern of, you know, with COVID and everything, our pattern of eating and where our food's coming from, busy schedule, binge eating, missing meals, even different behaviours eating on the weekends. And also uh, wanted to plan a pregnancy and also wanted pre-fertility guidance. So here we are with a patient that's got a lot weighing on getting their metabolic health into a better space. So the focus of my education with her was to look at her regular eating pattern, promoting new glycemia, but more importantly, satiation, because feeling full and happy, I always say, is important. Uh, making sure it's easy and convenient. The number of times that people just run out the door with an almond milk latte with a busy schedule, almond milk's all the rage, but assisting with also you know weight loss strategies and have her not set herself up because there's nothing worse when you do have glucose dysregulation. The common thing you'll hear is, I can't feel full, I crave sugar, but also keep her eye on what the focus was, which is her nutritional status and also pre-fertility planning. So with this diabetes-specific nutritional supplement, interestingly, we decided to use it as a mid-morning or afternoon tea snack because this was the person that was also going to the Pilates in the afternoon and running around and trying to make sure she doesn't even cancel out her exercise or binge eat in the evening. And the diabetes-specific nutritional supplement, interestingly, when you look at the nutrients found to support fertility, it also contained folic acid, iodine, iron, and also a nutrient called myo-inositol, which also supports insulin sensitivity. So it actually helped her body work better. And there's a lot of research with myo-inositol improving ovulation oocyte quality as well. 
So after six months working with Miss Millennial, not only did her glycemic pro- profile improve, so we celebrate ovulation in here, <laughs> but she had also lost 18 kilos with a BMI and waist circumference and her pre-fertility measures working with her GP were improving ovulation and her period cycle. So as dietitians, we celebrate many body parts and um, make and, and you can see things along the way like, you know, someone walks in and says, my health's improving, my period cycle's on track. That alone is an outcome, not just the glucose and the weight loss. Yeah, and I imagine actually probably the weight loss is a secondary outcome from it. That's not 100%. the main intention. Um, yeah. And for someone uh, like Miss Millennial, I imagine those fertility um, changes were far more important to her than, than the 100%. weight change. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's true, that, and everyone listening in, um, Nothing gets under my skin more and says, oh, you're a dietitian, you see people for weight loss. I never say I see people for weight loss. I see people to help manage their health condition and design an implant that's right for them to get their short-term, long-term health outcome. And then the side effect of doing that then for some will be weight loss. Some people will be weight gain. Some will be getting pregnant. So there's lots of outcomes that we need to always focus on. What, What are we doing this for? And we're trying to regulate metabolic health. Yeah, so just out of interest, how did these clients react to you suggesting something like a diabetes-specific nutritional supplement? Because for Miss Millennial, that would have been not what she was expecting from a dietary consultation, I imagine. Yeah, she was very surprised and also relieved and grateful that she had a permission to eat and not to be like on the fasting bandwagon or the Am I allowed to eat at this time? And listening to your body, I mean, there's a lot of dietitians out there talking about this no diet approach and that that creates that vicious cycle and a lot of people. And diet just means way of eating. So let's just recap. It's not about restriction. It's about listening, listening to your patient, understanding and how to troubleshoot where they may be undoing themselves. And then by knowing that and listening and working with your patient, you'll be able to um, be able to see that you know, having these um, diabetes-specific um, nutritional supplements in your toolbox can really help that patient have a practical application that can really help manage the symptoms that they're struggling with and encouraging also to those patients to keep uh, going back to their GP as well and monitoring and being able to see, well, what are we monitoring to see the progress? So that could be from doing uh, pathology with insulin, glucose, HbA and see and then even the use of that continuous uh, glucose monitoring tool adjunct food diaries uh, sometimes in our practice we might even do a spot check and do a random bsl and uh, even check for blood pressure even but it's a nice way to have patients involved in what are we really having trouble with from a lifestyle nutritional aspect and be able to provide those tools even using a checklist on a hunger scale like the number of people that come and go I don't feel hungry anymore. I feel I have energy. I feel satiated. Well, they might not say satiation. They might say I feel cool and happy. And and just being person or patient-centric and really be part of the journey with them. Yes, and so I imagine for someone like Miss Millennial, for example, she probably felt like she was doing being quite proactive by having the supplement, by changing her, yeah. her patterns of eating. She was actually being quite proactive in, in managing um, her health. Yeah. And it took the guesswork out of it because a lot of people go, oh, um, I haven't got time to do all my meal prep this week or I haven't got like, so being able to have it just a grab and go 
product, even to support a, a breakfast meal or having it as a snack on the run, I think it's really important that uh, we be able to provide and direct our patients of what diabetes-specific nutritional supplements are available out there for their health need. Yes. It's not you have this because I'm trying to get you to lose weight. It's for their health requirement. So you mentioned in terms of the um, monitoring of their progress, you know, um, going back to their GP for checkups, getting the blood tests, hemoglobin A1C, food diaries, hunger scales, all those sorts of things. But you also have mentioned um, continuous glucose monitoring. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, how you use it, how the patients use it, what that involves? Yeah. So I find continuous glucose monitoring, it's a tool that we can all use. Uh, The glucose monitoring system measures glucose through a small sensor applied to the back of the upper arm. doesn't hurt, by the way, and can provide a real-time glucose reading to patients for 14 days. Now, to obtain the glucose reading, patients simply perform a, they put an app on their phone and they perform a one-second scan of the reader over the sensor. I always say it's like you're scanning yourself at Woolworths. But um, it's, it's quite a handy little gadget. Um, I usually direct my patients to go online to register to purchase. Uh, I've actually had training with this, so I actually help uh, assist them to learn how to attach it on their arm. And the CGM or the continuous glucose monitoring, it it actually provides instant feedback. So all that about, you know, have you been monitoring your glucose in real time? It really actually has the patient present in their health situation and they can actually even understand how is food working in my body? Am I tracking well? One of the great things about the CGM system, it also alerts patients if their glucose is going up or down or if it's actually in a dangerous level, like a low range, it could actually chime at you to tell you that you're actually in a situation. It's very discreet too, so you can actually do it through your top. And uh, we know that the CGM also allows patients to, I can actually log in onto their CGM to see how they're tracking when they're not here. And, on, and when they come in, we can actually print off reports. And the other thing that's really useful is it actually gives you a HbA1c after two weeks of data recording. So where a lot of patients are waiting, biting their fingernails, waiting three months, six months or a year to see the endocrinologist, is my uh, HbA1c heading towards 6% or I'm a little bit of a taskmaster, I like it to be in the fives. Uh, but if, um, you know, just to know that we're heading in the right direction sooner than later, because there's nothing worse when you feel like you're putting in the effort and you don't really know how you're tracking till well later down, down the track. So uh, there are costs involved, but the outcome and the learning outcome. So um, one of the things is say you're eating something and you think, oh, gee, I might, I'm not seeing the dietitian for a week or so or um, no one will know. You can actually see like some patients go, can I still eat dessert? Okay, well, let's see what happens when you eat dessert. Literally scan yourself and see what actually happens and see how your your response is and, and how we can navigate and how we can manage that. So I find it a very good tool. Uh, and people are more likely to use it and uh, rather than getting all your your your, your pen out with your um, machine and your yeah, little test. So, so Geraldine, you're telling me that when they have this, they don't actually have to be doing finger pricks. Less finger pricks. That is and, amazing, um, isn't it? Isn't it? And when it's cold in winter, that's the last thing you're going to do is have your, your cold white finger and you try yes. it. 
push the blood up to it and then you're trying to prick yourself and not go through your finger. So it's really it's a really motivating tool. People think it's cool actually. So yes. um yeah, so we find that. So then that goes back to then how we use the diabetes specific nutrition formulas and all the dietary advice that we give. People can actually see an imp- improvement in real time. And that's what I love about it. I think that, you know, when people because some as we know, diabetes can be silent. People don't have symptoms. One in five people will have no symptom whatsoever. You know, mm. all the you know the symptoms that we might be familiar with, like you know, a dry mouth, increased thirst, increased urination, for example. Yeah, you know, we can literally see on on the machine what's actually happening as well, and it's, it's really, really, really helpful. I'm nearly horrified to reflect on my early years practice as a dietitian with diabetes and thinking about in those days it was even portion diet, wasn't even exchange diet, uh, and putting people on a number of portions. And, of course, they only tested their blood glucose, you know, not that regularly. So it was like on a wing and a prayer that this was going to work for them. Um, And And so it's so nice to see how far we've come in terms of eat and match your treatment to that. Yeah, and it's so true because we're we're with them on this journey, aren't we? And um, like the clinical evidence to support the diabetes-specific nutritional supplement in conjunction with CGM. So there's a study by Peng that, um, published in 2019 where they compared the effects of lifestyle intervention with or without the addition of, of this diabetes-specific nutritional supplement administered at breakfast with newly diagnosed 123 patients with newly diagnosed and untreated type 2 for four weeks. And then patients underwent the 72 hours of continuous glucose monitoring both before and after the intervention at four weeks. And those that using the continuous glucose monitoring at week four, they were statistically significant improvements in measures of glycemic variability and time and range with lifestyle intervention plus the diabetes-specific nutritional supplement compared to just lifestyle intervention alone. So I think the more we empower our patients to understand physically what's happening from within, you know, we can then have this um, outcome of reduced glycemic variability, and it's so important to reduce the risk of these complications like diabetes retinopathy, for example. So I think it's really important that us dietitians, you know, they're, they're not always going to get to see a diabetes educator. They're not. They may not be seeing an endocrinologist. They may be just working with their GP and and they may be in the early days. Like the number of my patients that go, I don't know where this diabetes has come from. And I'm very passionate of helping people understand the life cycle of diabetes. And even showing high triglycerides back five years ago was a sign of glucose dysregulation. Yeah. Uh, insulin resistance testing is still... It's been around since around 2002, but not everyone will know if they've got excessive insulin, which happens well before the pre-diabetes and then diabetes. That will happen 20, 30 years beforehand. But understanding then, okay, well, and you'll see that they've all got a very similar journey, understanding now how everything works together, what tools do we have, CGM, the uh, diabetes-specific nutritional supplements, you know, food-first approach, lifestyle and being really supportive and receptive to our patients you know it's a real challenge and i think that we really need to in really encourage and enable uh, our patients to get there and work in a multidisciplinary approach is really really important yeah so just with so going back to you talking about the the peng study it's just i think it's it's nice for dietitians who might be new to using 
um, these sorts of supplements or formula um, with their patients, it's nice to know that there has been research about them and so there is evidence supporting their use um, and so they can be confident that it's not just a random accumulation of nutrients put together in a can um, to sell to people with diabetes. There's there is some there is evidence behind it. So if um if we have dietitians uh, listening to us um, today um, and they're sort of working with patients with diabetes and just considering if they haven't used diabetes-specific nutritional supplements before, what would your sort of tips be for dietitians um, yeah. working in this space? Yeah, so I think one, I know, know it's an enormous challenge and as we mentioned before, it's not about just go away and eat properly and exercise. We are there to provide those skills. Know that the impact, there's a lot of confusion, there could be a lot of guilt, there's a lot of misinformation and so we really need to help people know that we need to manage it to reduce complications. Optimising the food first approach but looking at what's in our toolbox Diabetes-specific nutritional supplements are essential um, and helpful and evidence-based to help improve clinical outcomes, including this postprandial glucose and uh, HbA1c and helping regulate that glucose variability. That's really important for to avoiding long-term complications. And like I was mentioning before, that multidisciplinary approach is really important and knowing that we can work these diabetes-specific nutritional uh, formulations into menu plans. Uh, you know, I've got people that might even use it as part of a breakfast, like in their oats, for example, um, that it comes in a powder or ready to drink. But I think it's really important to know that these are out there and can be very helpful in achieving both short-term and long-term outcome. Yeah, so, um, and you just mentioned there, um, the supplements being essential, meaning that they're essential to consider. So not everyone will need them, but don't don't forget about them because they may just be the answer that you're looking for to help to help your client. So I think that that's a great insight, Geraldine, and the case studies particularly are really helpful because they were two completely different types of patients that you might see, but where these supplements can be a really helpful part of their plan, regardless of where they are on that spectrum of of diabetes or insulin resistance. So it's it's always good to to be informed and keep up to date um, with these tools like the diabetes specific supplements um, because I also they are in the pharmacy so a, a client or a patient who has diabetes may well see them and come to a dietitian and ask about them so it's good for us to to know what they're all about and what the ingredients are. Yeah and so true and there's um as we mentioned there was a booklet there's um, a couple of other case studies in there too where you've seen where you've used them as well um, and yeah so it'll be interesting to hear people's feedback on what tools they use for the treatment of patients in in this whole situation from insulin resistance, pre-diabetes, diabetes, gestational diabetes, pre-fertility and fertility. It'd be great to hear some feedback. Yeah so we would. We're always happy, um, a dietitian connection, to have any of your feedback about the content of the podcast and and the um, resources that we provide. And we will add a link to that um, case study booklet 
in the show notes. And we'll also add a link to some of the references um, around the Peng reference, for example, around the use of these supplements. So you can have a, a deeper dive for yourself um, if you'd like some more information. So really appreciate your time today, Geraldine. And we'd also like to um, very much thank Abbott for supporting today's podcast. To get all of the links and resources we discussed in this episode, you can go to dietitianconnection.com slash podcasts. And if you'd like to support the Dietitian Connection podcast, please leave a review and a rating on the Apple Podcasts app. Tell us what you thought of this episode, what you learnt, and share your guest requests for us to consider for future episodes. We value hearing from you and we really appreciate your feedback. So please, please hit that review button.